<laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Good morning. Welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. And I don't know about you, but when I woke up this morning, I was thankful for the rain clouds in the sky, thankful for the little mist we're getting, and thankful for the coolness of the day. What a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. And we want to welcome you this morning. If you're visiting with us, ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you, place an offering plate as you come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. Ask God to bless you and ask you to consider being a part of what God is doing here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Come and join us right here in our sanctuary. With that being said, we have lots going on at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. I want to bring those out to you. Number one, you have been looking through your bulletins. We have our rent or use program going on. That means that that task, that job, that chore you've been putting off for the last 27 years, you can now rent a teenager to do. Go like this. Amen. You can get them to do it. Have you been putting off cleaning your garage? Get one of those kids to do it. Have you been putting off weeding your garden? Get one of those kids to do it. Have you been putting off criminal trees? Get one of those kids to do it. Why? Because they need your help getting to youth camp. And that's what it's there for. And they want to rent themselves out to help you finish those jobs so that they can get to youth camp. So if you're interested in that, you can give our youth minister, Brandon Bottoms. He's right there. Brandon, can you stick your hand up for it? Those of you that can see that, if you're seeing it online, just get to the guy in the orange shirt. Amen? All right. Rent the youth. Also want you to start saving this date coming up, May 27th. We'll have an Italian fundraiser night. Uh, that's going to help uh, fund our OCC shipping. So uh, even though we pack the shoeboxes, it still costs us to mail it out. And so this is a fundraiser for that. Italian food coming up. That's going to be May 27th from 530 to 8 p.m., if you're interested in that, you can get more information from the office. Uh, but if you would, begin start saving the date. Plan to be there and carefully consider being a part of what God is doing at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church through our Operation Christmas Child. Uh, here in about two weeks, we'll be having our yard sale. And so preparation day will be the 13th. And of course, the actual yard sale will be May the 14th on Saturday. If you're interested in that, tables are $15. And I think two for 25 Is that right? So if you can do that, you can get with Monica. She will get you a table, reserve you a table, or you can get with Esther herself, and she'll be able to do that as well. So either way, if you're interested in that, uh, come and see us and let us know your intentions in that. All right. A few other things coming up tonight, church. At 6 o'clock, we'll end up having our business meeting, our quarterly business meeting. So they go pretty fast. So if you're interested in seeing what a Baptist church does in business, I just want you to know, y'all know we got to pay the water bill. Amen? Y'all know we got to pay the electric bill. Y'all know we have to pay internet bill nowadays. And so of that, it's normal quarterly business. So come and be a part of that. I uh, want to remind those on our ministry team that we have a scheduled ministry team meeting coming up May the 8th, which is Mother's Day. However, I will entertain motions to uh, move that to the 15th, if that be how you feel there. Just let me know, and we'll get that out there beyond that. Uh, prayer breakfast coming up May 21st is just a few Saturdays at 7 a.m., uh, that will be followed by our administrative team meeting at 9.30. And we'll also have a Vacation Bible School workshop. Please carefully plan on being there. If you missed the first one, this is your chance to be there at this one. That's going to be at 10.30 in the Fellowship Hall. You need to be there because we're going to be doing background checks in there if you're planning on working in it. You have to have a background check done if you're going to be in Vacation Bible School. So please be there at 10.30 on that Saturday. Also speak to Brooks Leah and let her know where you want to help at and things like that. 
prayer team meeting as well. About to ask you about that. That's going to be at nine o'clock. Is that right, sir? Prayer team meeting will also come up that day as well. Admin team will be instead of ten thirty though. It'll be at nine thirty due to the sensitive items we are talking about. Uh, so prayerfully uh, consider being a part of what's going on there with Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. I think that's all of our upcoming announcements other than our normal programming tonight. Worship service will follow our quarterly business meeting Wednesday night at 6.30 right here in Sanctuary for prayer and for our Bible study. Don't forget men's Bible study Thursday nights at 6.30 and women's on Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m. and at 6.30 p.m. Is there any other announcements I may have forgotten? Because that was a bunch of them. Let me look around here. Well, that seems like I got them all. So with that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. As we pray, would you please rise and welcome one another. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Please bless us and touch us with your spirit, Lord God. And I'm asking you even now to take charge of this time, Lord, that each and every one of us would feel you with us and that we would know, Lord, that it's been good to be in your house. I pray, Father God, that you would touch our hearts and that there be any that need to come to know you personally, Lord, and Savior, that today be the day they surrender to you and give their hearts to you, Lord, and come to hear your precious voice, Lord. Ask you, Lord, uh, to be with us as we go into our time of worship. And I just pray, Lord, your spirit would fall and that we would worship you in truth and spirit. As we give you the praise, honor, and glory. Lord, we have many that are not traveling. Please bless them and keep them safe and bring them safely back home to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another. back to your seat. Good morning, Robertson Avenue. Good to see everybody's smiling faces this morning. We're going to start off, we're going to sing, Come, now's the time to worship. 
win from Mexico to Hilltop. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Have your Bibles with you. Thank you, please, for the Gospel of Matthew. Well, let me warn you, we're not going to stay there. Opens your Bibles, they some of them turn them off. Amen. So if you've got one of those electronic Bibles, that is a-okay. Turn it on. I want to warn you though, if it reads it out loud, go ahead and mute it right now. Amen. <laughs> it has been a phenomenal week here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Let me tell you why it's been so phenomenal. You know, we have started a couple of new ministries at RABC, and we've been reaching out to the nursing home, and so that is a lot of fun. I want to encourage you. Be a part of that. If your heart is in ministry to those who can't get to church, let me tell you, that is the place to start. We go to two different nursing homes. The first one we go to is Cotton Cove Nursing and Rehab Center. And I love being there. In fact, we have someone here with us who, who works there, and I'm not going to put her out and stand her up, but she's a, a wonderful person. And every time we come there, her eyes just light up, and her smile just lights up the room. And she's already ready for us. The residents are already sitting out there. And when we get there, nothing does my heart so good as watching those 80, 90-year-old people break it down in their wheelchairs. Amen? I mean, that will touch your heart. It will. We're only there for one hour. But I, I get reminded of being in heaven. Because the Bible tells us that one of these days, church, one of these days, it's going to be as though a thousand years was just a day, and a day is up to a thousand years. And I get to thinking as we worship, as we love on Jesus Christ, as we close our eyes and bow in prayer, that we're going to open our eyes and a thousand years are going to be gone. That's what heaven is like. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I can get up there and worship forever. Let me tell you, just close your eyes. All you've got to do is rest in the hands of Jesus Christ, and He will carry you from here to eternity. Amen? That's what He does. And that's how He does it. Why? Because His Spirit communes with us, and He brings us close to Him. And when we behold Him, we will see Him as He actually is. And church, once we get our eyes upon Him, not even streets of purest gold are going to turn on our eyes. It's all going to be about Him and the Lamb who was slain. Amen? That's what heaven is. And we'll be looking at Him for eternity. And I want you to go there with me. I'm going. Amen? I was challenged this morning. Someone came to me and said, Pastor, do you know how many denominations of Baptist Church do we have? Well, let me tell you, that is something to challenge. I sat down with an ink pen and paper in my office, started counting them up. American Baptist, Free Will Baptist, Independent Baptist, Hardshell Baptist, Granville Baptist, Southern Baptist, General Baptist, Weirdo Baptist. There's no ending. No ending to those kind of Baptists. Not to mention how many times of other denominations are out there. What the challenge was, the pastor, how come we can't be together as one body? We're one bride, amen? With one Lord, under one baptism. What happened? You know what happened? Let me tell you what happened. The devil moved in, church. How many of you know that denomination is so close to demonization? It is just one letter off, and we broke ourselves up into things that just don't matter. Well, I like 
like old music. I like newer music. I like clapping my hands. I don't clap my hands at all. I say amen. You better not say amen next to me. Oh, it's not a holy church over that. Well, I guess it was amen in my Baptist church. And you know, it's funny. We can laugh about it right now, but deep down inside, it's terrible, isn't it? Not only is it terrible, it's brought about the spirit of division in America today. And I want to remind you what Jesus said about it. A house that is divided will not stand. But we better start getting divided because the time is getting close. We better start undividing ourselves and start uniting ourselves. We better start getting our hearts back into the hands of Christ and start worrying about the things that matter. What matters? That Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, the only life. Nothing else matters. Amen? We need to get back to that. I know that you, like me, can feel the static in the air, the Something's happening. Something's true to that. I feel like it's the original Christmas time. They knew. The wise men knew. The Pharisees knew. The Sadducees knew. The Zealots knew. The Herodians knew. The Jews knew. Something was about to happen. And I believe the church knows something is about to happen. You can see this. It's a consequence. We're tired, aren't we? We're, we're carrying a weight now and it's pushing down on us. I want to remind you. Let me encourage you to do so. In fact, the Bible says you need to be reading the Word of God every day. Talks about when he that was strange takes a stone, he felt the pressure of the world, but he down on him. I'm just telling you, when he up instead of looking down, because all the distance all the time. Oh, my goodness. Get ready. Turning and he is returning soon. Boy, we're in Sunday school this morning. We haven't even started preaching yet. You know, we're going to be here at 12 30 now, isn't it? You're like, no, no. Well, 12 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. In Sunday school, we started talking about eschatology. There's a subject that's more near and dear to my heart. It can only be better. The return of the Son of God. Where? Could a preacher be more inspired than when the Son of God comes back? No, we argue about when the rapture is going to happen. We argue if it's pre-millennial, if it's post-millennial, if it's mid-millennial. I want to tell you right now, all that matters is whether or not you know Jesus. All that matters is whether or not you've got Him in your heart and He's your Lord and your Savior. I'm not talking about one of those, yeah, I believe in God. I'm talking about one of those, He's my Lord, He's my Savior, I trust in Him for my salvation, and no other kind of Jesus. When you have Christ like that, everything else must fall into the place. We may start disagreeing, but in the end time, the more we sin in God's word, we find ourselves agreeing. Did you know that? That's right. That's right to my third son, Jude. A couple of years ago, this grade, they had clear days. So at the Williams Ledger Elementary School, Told you, I said, you better get ready because the world doesn't like us. Old fashioned preacher, they say he's mean, he's loud, he's judgmental. I'm not judgmental. I bring to you the word of God, nothing else. I want you to know that the world hates you. They do. 
tell you, if you're friendly with the world, you've got a problem. The Bible says it, doesn't it? You make yourself friendly to the world, you make yourself an enemy. Under God, you need to be the same. Start putting yourself in God's hands. So I sit down with my son in the pulpit. Let me tell you what it means to me. They all want to preach, and let me tell you, they do. People say, come with me to the nursing home. I look at people like, oh, I don't want that one. I want this one. Well, I really didn't want to preach. My wife wanted me to preach. How many of you know there's a difference between a God called preacher and a God called preacher? How many of you know there's a difference between a God called preacher and I want to preach a preacher? God called preachers can't. If I wasn't your pastor, I would be in Dollar General preaching right now. Ask my wife. I would be in Walmart in the beer aisle getting exporting apples. Ask her. I would be in McDonald's standing on the table saying, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Don't eat too many of those apples. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Church, the title this morning's message. One in a million, that one who cares and loves, and that one who shows you even when you're wrong, worth everything. Pastors of one in a million. If I told you, if you want to become a Baptist, you can vote for anything that one. We'll see. We'll see. The title of this morning's message is The Elijah Complex. The Eliyahu Complex. The Elijah Complex. Now, there is so much we can learn. The prophet Eliyahu, and I want to begin this morning with what Jesus said about Elijah. If you had your Bibles, you can turn to uh, turn with me to Matthew 17. Uh, if you have your electronic Bible, turn on to Matthew chapter 17. Look at me in verse 11. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And I pray, Father God, that you would honor your word this morning. For we believe, Lord, and we know that your word will not come back void. And I pray, Father God, that it would lay hold its seed in each and every heart here this morning. That it would bring forth fruit, some hundred, some sixty, some thirty fold, Father God. And I pray if there be one this morning that's had their heart plowed up by the law, Lord, or plowed up by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father God, that today would be the day they come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. I also pray, Lord, that today would be the day that Robert Avenue experiences revival. That today would be the day, Father God, that we worship you, that we hear your mighty, sweet, wonderful voice. And today would be the day, Lord, we surrender to you and offer up our hearts, Lord, saying, take us and use us. The name be glorified. background of what Jesus just said in Matthew chapter 17, of course, transfiguration. Jesus had went up on top of the Mount of Transfiguration. He took with him just a couple of disciples, just a few in inner circle, if you will, and he took them there and something, well, Jesus began to be transfigured in front of them. If you will. In fact, he didn't change how he looked. He just changed how bright he appeared to 
Jesus and see how holy he is. I don't know about you, but if you were to look at me, you don't have to dig too far to find grace. Are you with me? The Mount of Transfiguration. He began to be transfigured before them. His countenance, the Bible tells us, becomes white. So white that it's whiter than snow. Eventually, Elijah, Moses, show up. He began talking with Jesus. And it's Peter, the good first Baptist, in my opinion, who speaks out and says, Hey, I got a great idea. <laughs> Let's build some tabernacles. Of course, Moses and Elijah disappeared. Jesus goes back to his inner circle and tells them, Don't tell anybody to go out there and get the rest On the way down, they begin to ask Jesus that question. Why then do they say,
situations agreeing that Jesus Christ sums up the law, fulfills the law, satisfies the law, pays the debt, the law demands, and he fulfills every single prophecy that ever was. Blessed be the name of the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they're talking about building tabernacles. What's wrong with these guys? Oh, and they come down and say, Why then does Elijah have to come back? Why? Because you read the prophet Malachi. You read the prophet Malachi, and I got sick of one day. So I learned of a deep, weird Bible student who knows much about the Bible. Sat down with her children one day and mispronounced Malachi's name and called him Malachi. I laughed. I said, That sounds like an Italian handbag, doesn't it? Sell that purse over in Bell tomorrow. A Malachi bag. Put one of them little wafer cookies inside. You got a million dollars. Malachi. Malachi means my messenger. That's what it means in Hebrew. My messenger. My person. I'm sending you to deliver my message. And Malachi says, I will send to you Elijah the prophet. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Last night, my dear, with a time. Think about that for a second. We often think about that being married couples and moms and dads. And how, and I'll tell you what, it doesn't take a genius to look at us and families are falling apart. Amen? Moms and dads are disappearing from family life. Public school has taken the role of moms and dads. They spend more time with our children than we do. God help us. They're in school from 7.30, 7.15, to sometimes 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.15, 6, depending on what sport or activity they're in. At nighttime, they come back home for the two hours they spend with mom and dad before they go to sleep. If mom and dad are actually there. Wonder why our children are turning out believing everything the government says. I don't get mad at you, but I want you to know right now the government does not have this best interest in heart. The government's not taking your money in heart. Don't trust any of them. Not Republicans, not Democrats, not Independents. The moment they become a politician, you can already think you are lost. I didn't say that. I'm 
promise you, you'll be in a state of revival. I return to Christ. It starts coming back to the law, and I start coming back to Him. It's time to revive Him. I said, Jesse, we'll find that the law prophesied things very well in the mouth with Jesus, agreeing with Jesus to fulfill it. You can't even begin to understand Jesus if you understand the law. And if you look into the law, you'll find out that it is fulfilled, completed, and paid for in Jesus Christ. So then, if Jesus spoke so highly of Elijah, and he straight up told his disciples, Elijah will come first, and he will restore all things, then it would fulfill prophecy. The man comes from Elijah. It would be important, it would be needful for us to learn something from Elijah. Some of Elijah's actions this morning. Number one, we're going to look at the Zarephoth widow. The Zarephoth widow in 1 Kings 17 4. We're also going to look at the resurrection of that same widow's son in 1 Kings 17 22. And number three, we're going to look at the cooldown on Mount Carmel. 1 Kings 18. We're going to look at three things from Elijah's life, and we're going to see how that life. And remember, the title this morning's message is the Elijah Complex. Some of us have an Elijah Complex. Are you ready? Take a look at Elijah right now. I think the people who make the picture of Elijah, I think they try to make him look more like John the Baptist. I hope you get Elijah. Right there he is. Right there. Something like that guy needs a raise. There he is. Talking Elijah. I think they try to make him more like John the Baptist. There he is. Are you ready? Let's begin. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 16. Are we ready now? The Bible says in verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her again. Isn't it just like a man lady? Called her again and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. In other words, hey, give me something to drink. And while you're at it, bring me a sandwich. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And she, I am gathering a couple of sticks and I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. That also sounds like a man, doesn't it? Yeah, you can do that later, but take care of me first. You can go ahead and die later on, but right now make me that sandwich. Every time I read this, I remember the story of my wife and my son. One night, I heard them kind of laughing and giggling and kind of yelling a little bit at each other. So I got up out of bed. I had to be at work at like 2.30 in the morning. And there was my 12 or 13-year-old elder son, the one who's in the Navy, the one who's deployed. And I appreciate it. I praise for him. He was holding on to the ankle of my wife who was dragging him down the hallway. And he was saying, Mom, Mom, make me a sandwich. And she was saying, No. No. Well, finally, she agreed to make him a sandwich. She said, but i got to have a price. And, of course, she had to hug me to get that sandwich. And I was like, and I woke up for that? Here we have Elijah telling this woman, hey, you can go about your business, but go ahead and make me that loaf of bread first, and then you can kick the bucket, old woman. Hey, read it right here with me. Read it right here. 
with me. Go in and do what you do, but bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 13, Elijah said, There do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from the first. Bring it to me, and afterward make something yourself and your son. Put off what you wanted to do, and take care of me first. Now, there's a spiritual teaching there. You know that? Verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The bit of flour shall not be used up. Oh, it's the prophecy that's coming down. Giving it to you first. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The bit of flour shall not be used up. Oh, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and his household ate and enjoyed The bed of flour was not used up, verse 16, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which was spoken by Elijah. And I provided you a picture of the widow and Elijah. Just 
I'd be sitting there saying, what can I do to take my life over else? What you need to do is start hearing the Word of God. The woman's life was fruitless. It was barren. It was broken until the Word of God showed up. Some of you have been sitting there for years saying, how come I can't get anything going in my life? Well, it's time for you to hear the Word of God. It's time for you to start putting God's Word to work in your life and in your heart. It's time for you to accept it for what it is. It's not just a collection of fairy tales. It is absolute positive truth. Amen? It is inerrant. It is inspired. And it is 100% infallible. This widow had no husband. She had no job. She had no money. She had no food. What she did, however, have was a son. Remember, we're talking this morning about Elijah. In fact, we're zeroing in on the Elijah complex. Elijah, who is used to preaching to kings, queens, people of importance, was sent somebody that most people didn't even know existed. The Elijah complex. And I think the first thing we need to put the work on our this morning is God always. God send us. How many of you already know what Elijah was being taught to? How many of you already see the picture of what lesson Elijah was learning? Because remember, Elijah's ministry is going to culminate a little bit later on on top of Mount Carmel. That's going to be the apex, if you will, of his ministry where he's going to meet face to face the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the female goddess that they had. And he's going to uh, end up in a contest with them. But Elijah's got to go through some training first. He's got to have some understanding about how God works. And this is the first lesson. How many of you see the picture here? Because you might be sitting in the pew this morning saying, Can God, can God do something with me? Will God do something with me? Am I, am I usable by God? Well, I want you to know that redemption always comes through a son and some sticks. Amen? I want you to know the picture that is being shown here. I've got a son, and I'm picking up sticks. And I want you to know that God has offered you His one and only begotten Son, and He put Him on a stick for you, so that all you have to do is look to Him for salvation, and you move from being a child of the world to a child of God. Redemption comes through a son and sticks. Why'd you learn? Elijah begins to learn that even though this woman is so poor, God can bring about anything. How many of you know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? You might be saying, Pastor, I'm hurting right now. You know what? Get on your knees and say, Father God, sell a cow. I need help. I need you to touch me. I need you to use me. All I've got is a little flour, a little oil, and a bundle of sticks. I've got a son, though. And let me tell you right now, if you're a Christian, You've got a son. Can I say it? Can someone say amen? You've got a son. And that son is capable of bringing life back into dead faith. That son is capable of bringing life back into a dead marriage. That son is capable of bringing life back into a dead life, into a woman who appears to be useless. He makes her into somebody great. So 
somebody who's in the Bible. We don't even know what her name is. All we know is that her husband is dead. She's got a son. She's got a son, and she's got sin. And let me tell you right now, you got a son, Jesus Christ, and you got sick of cross. And he went to the cross, and he died for you. But he didn't stay dead for you. He came back alive for you, and now lives and reigns and sits at the right hand of the Father, being your advocate. Redemption comes through sick and a son. Elijah has a lot to learn as he shows up there. Oh, I love the prophet Elijah. I love it. He knows God's voice. He's heard it many times. He has been privileged to hear, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. He's been privileged to deliver that message. What an amazing message that would be. What an amazing responsibility that would be to show up in King Ahab's palace and say, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. What an amazing, awesome responsibility that would be. Let's put a, a 20, 22 twist on that. That would be like showing up. We can't say President Biden's office, but it'd be like showing up into George Soros's office or showing up into, who's the guy that just bought Twitter? Elon Musk showing up in his office and saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, thou shalt not do mean tweets. How many of you have begun to see the awesome responsibility that Elijah has? And that's why we're looking at the Elijah complex this morning. He needed to learn some lessons. And that number one lesson was is that God doesn't always call us to preach to the important. He calls us to seek the least of these because that is where his kingdom is grown. Amen? Not only that, but he can take somebody who's willing to give what little they have and make it into something that lasts forever. And if you want some New Testament examples of that, I want to remind you that Jesus fed over 5,000 with two loaves of bread and some fish. Think about that for a second. How many of you have already begun to see what Elijah was being taught? Redemption comes with sick and son. Look at the number two part of the Elijah complex, the resurrection of the son. Verse King 17, look at me in verse 17 and 22. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, I love how the shoe is kind of on the other foot now. Remember Elijah showed up and he was like, Yeah, yeah, you and your son are going to die now. Make me a sandwich. He now comes in and says, Yeah, yeah, you're a man of God. This is happening. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee? Oh, man of God, have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and kill my son? Isn't it amazing how people still to this day blame everything on God? I can't tell you how many drunks I've worked with, how many alcoholics I've worked with, how many drug abusers I've worked with, and they say, God has done this to me. I say, God didn't do that to you. You did that to you. You did that to you. God didn't make that accident happen out on Highway 190. You did. Here's this woman. Again, it is blame God. My son is dead, and God is doing this as a judgment to bring my sin to remember. Verse 19, Elijah doesn't even entertain that kind of argument. You need to learn something from that. You need to learn something from that. You can get into that kind of argument and take people's eyes off of the cross. Don't get into that kind of argument. Keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. He is life. And He is truth. And the moment you want their eyes off of Jesus and on you, you're going to be 
Verse 19, he said to her, Give me your son! So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Verse 20, then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lost by killing her son? The Bible tells us, verse 21, that Elijah stretched himself out on his child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. That means he didn't get passed out, he's dead. Soul come back to him. Verse 22, then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him.
didn't bump up between Christians without a church family. Amen? Last week, I got to share with you the wonderful thing about being pastors. We need to get somebody's name, brother, cover the message. Sister, how you doing? Family is all you've got in this world. Church is all you've got in this world. They are your Christian family, and they are all you have in this world. Why is it that when we sin or when we fall away from God's Word, the last place we want to be in church? But the truth is, that should be the first place we want to be. We need to come in, get in His presence, get down on our knees, and ask God's forgiveness. Get up, have those Christian brothers' arms put around your neck, pray for, sit back out into a world to seek and save that we I've heard it once said by an atheist that the Christian army is the only army in the world that kills its own enemies. I'm not sure if that's true. Have you ever watched Star When a fellow Stark gets wounded, they will turn and kill the enemy's Stark. Even leaving the prey they were hunting. So I wonder sometimes how Christians do that. Instead of praying for each other, instead of loving each other, instead of encouraging each other, they begin to bend What is that? Your in-laws. Yeah, in-laws if you're married. If you don't have in-laws, then look over somebody next to you because they're laughing and you know they're married. I want to remind you, too, you married into their family. That doesn't mean you married their family. People say, I married your family. Well, no, you didn't. Your duty and responsibility is to love your wife. Your duty and responsibility is to love your you love them, and you build a great relationship with them, and you endure after enduring after enduring for the sake of your husband or your wife. You've got that third family. Let me tell you, your husband or wife, he's the first to tell you, if I could have chosen a different brother, I would have. So why you've got a lot to learn. He learned that God can do miracles, and God can provide out of things that are really small. He learned that redemption doesn't come through great work, but redemption comes through faith. That redemption comes through the Son of the King. He learns that family is all we have in this world, and he learns that life is precious. Let's take this. The showdown on Mount Carmel. It's a big showdown. That's what the end of the life of ministry is. Everything starts going down. You know, there's a few other big moments of fire coming down and destroying soldiers, but this is a big moment. Look at the first three chapters. We're just going to read a few verses because this is a really long story. Though, so I want to encourage you to read all of it. It's just fascinating. First Kings 18, 20 and 24. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Incidentally, you can go to Mount Carmel today. And Elijah came to all the God followed him, but if Baal followed him, the people answered him, not a word. Sounds like 2023, the United States of If Jesus is God, come back to church. If COVID is God, stay home. If Jesus is God, come back to church. If Allah is God, belong to your mom. You can't mix them. You can't contain them together in the same room. Let me tell you why. Because Christianity is truth. And inside of truth, it's light, and that light will conquer all darkness. Amen. 
mixture. We can't do it. We need to become a slave to one. We can't do it. Verse 22, Elijah said to the people, I alone.
Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, one who made us and made us to worship you. Would you show us that we need to get back to worshiping you? And the Bible says, fire came down. People were astonished, naturally, amen. And Elijah's man and they put to death all the prophets of Baal. And they did life of pressure, but let me tell you, you will find nothing but death in all time. Nothing but death will ever be a picture of Elijah's offspring. Check it out, isn't that cool? Now, I can you show me the death of the prophets? It's something. Elijah outruns, though, once you know the rest of the story. Elijah, after this, Elijah starts thinking, and he got contact. Remember, he had some lessons to learn. He had some lessons to learn. He had to learn what redemption was. He had to learn that the gospel goes to anybody and everybody, not just important people. It goes to poor people. It goes to broken people. It goes to sick people. It goes to people who are suffering death. It goes to everybody. Amen. Elijah had to learn that. He had to learn that life was precious in God's sight, that people are worth His only begotten Son. And you might be sitting there in the pew this morning saying, Does God love me? Oh, yes, He does. He thinks you're worth His perfect, precious baby boy. He thinks you're worth every drop of blood. Why? Because He loves you. He loves you so much. He sent His only begotten Son for Bible tells us Elijah begins to be afraid. If you'll read 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 25 and 26. The hand of the Lord. I love that right there. God put his hand on people sometimes. He put his hand on, on Goliath too, and Goliath met a rock right in front of him. But Elijah, the hand of God put on him, and the Bible says he outrun Ahab and Jezebel. Look at the verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And I often have wondered about that. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. Much like when Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples, and they're immediately there at Capernaum. They're Capernaum. Immediately they're there, even though they were rowing all night, and hit the wind and couldn't get there. Jesus gets in the boat, they're there immediately. It's a miracle. The hand of God is upon Elijah. And Elijah outruns that crazy king with his wonderful chariot and his fine horses that were still fed and watered. Can you imagine what happened as Elijah, who girded up his loins, that means he lifted up his robe and ran. Just a knobby knees at the door. And he outruns that king to Jezreel. Can you imagine when you outran that chariot? There's Elijah and all the people next there looking by that crazy prophet going to Bible. You think of those kids that pass the semi truck always looking over the driver? The whole time. I can see Elijah just looking at the king. He runs right on by. But I often wonder about them horses. They had to look at each other. They'd be like, I'm not telling anybody if you're not telling anybody. Those horses! They were the best horses money could buy. He outruns them to Jezreel. Of course, the rain comes. You know the rest of the story. Great things happen, but Elijah suffers from his conscience. He actually goes on the run. He had learned that there's no other God but the Lord. He had preached that faithfully. He 
began to be afraid, not of Ahab, though. He began to be afraid of Ahab's wife. He began to be afraid of her. Incidentally, why was he afraid of her? People get upset when their idols are removed, don't they? People get mad when you say, your God is not a God. Your God is a plastic statue. You put on the dashboard of your truck. Your God is a rope with beads on it. Your God is wearing a piece of brown cloth around your neck. That's not God, y'all. God is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that you can be saved if you will give Him your faith. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is by grace that we are saved through faith. Not a work that anyone should know. People get upset when their idols are removed. Incidentally, that's one we can always remember. And Elijah learns right here in this country. It's just a world. He's a Christian. Say, wait a minute, Pastor. Elijah isn't a Christian. He's a Jew. Anybody who just learned it would get some pumpkin sons and sticks and become a Christian. Not just that, but he was on the Mount of Transfiguration beholding the Son of God. The world hates Christians. Did you know that? They really do. I'm not talking about the Christian that becomes friendly with the world. I'm talking about the Christian who points out that what the world is doing is wrong. So let's look at your Bible context. Elijah runs away from that contest on Mount Carmel. Elijah becomes afraid because he knows Jezebel is going to come to him. And Elijah is Elijah. And you know he's learned over the great Look at me in 1 Kings chapter 19. Jonathan is here for two years, a meaningless Christian. 1 Kings 19, verses 19 to 20. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Remember, we heard this text before on that song of where Elijah said, I am all alone. They're saying that this morning in your seat. I'm all by myself. Nobody understands me. I don't think anyone could say that better than a 16 year old. Nobody understands me. And so we weren't 16 before. The word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. Here's Elijah. I am alone. I alone am left. Nobody in my family is with me this way. No one is with me. No one's working with me. No one cares. Verse 11, then he said to God, Go out, stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, still small. So it was, in verse 13, when Elijah heard it, and he wrapped his tent in his mantle and went out to the entrance of the cave. I'm going to raise your hand right now. Say, I know a still small voice. I heard it. I heard it when he called me, and I surrendered to it. And I want you to know that you need that still small voice this morning. You've been asking God for fire. You've been asking God for storm. You've been asking God for wind to come and break down rocks. God, knock this wall down for me. God, blow open this cave for me. And I want you to know God is speaking to you. 
We knew it. But we know it right now. That's what you could. Which would you have? Chapter 17 of the Psalm. You'll find that God tells Elijah what's happening from the beginning. Elijah, I need you to go. I need you to go to this town. Because there's a little there. How he sits there and whines, God, there's nobody with me. I beg to differ, there was somebody I beg to differ. I beg to differ, there was somebody. He was just as obedient. He was just as obedient. Do you know that boy, like that widow that you heard, when God said, there's this crazy prophet coming. He's going to outrun Ahab one day. With not knees and everything. He's going to come running. He's going to make the rain stop. And I want you to feed him. You know, you know you're going to know it's him. You're going to say, yeah, yeah, go ahead and kick the bucket, but give me a sandwich. John 10 tells about that little boy. John 10 tells about this. My sweet Lord, my You never heard that voice. You know you You don't know that voice. You're not.
my son for me. And he got to the emergency room. The boy was barely conscious, but he was conscious. He ran into the emergency room holding his only begotten son. The doctor came up to him and his little boy came to the doctor. The doctor, I got a in my finger. Some of us treat Christianity like that. And you're missing the big problem. You want God to put a band-aid on something wrong? You want God to fix some kind of hurt? God, fix this for me. No, no, no. God has a bigger problem that you need to be fixed. And that problem is your sin. And it is separating you from God Almighty. And you are literally bleeding to death because of it. And the only cure the only cure is making Him Lord and Savior of your life. The only cure is putting Him in your heart and letting Him save you. People say it all the time, what do I get saved for, Pastor? From His wrath. Not from you. Not from your sins. No, you get saved from His wrath. Because His wrath will come down and it will punish this world for the sins it is committing. And you are guilty.